Before you get lost in this episode, I want to let people know that there is a new way to support me. Buymeacoffee.com. It's an opportunity for you to support me by buying me a coffee for $5 or you can support me with a monthly membership. Monthly membership does have access to different exclusive things. It's $10 a month if you wish to support. For those that can support, thank you so much. I absolutely am extremely grateful for anybody that's willing to be able to support me at that level. And for those that can't financially, that's okay too. All I ask is that if you really enjoy my content and love the things that I'm doing, support by sharing, letting other people know what I do, and hopefully my mission of changing the speech and debate community forever will be able to happen. Um, so that you can support me at buymeacoffee.com. I'll have the link in the show notes. And thank you, thank you, thank you to so much of the people that have already supported me, especially the person that bought me 12 coffees. Oh my gosh, you are amazing and I really appreciate you once I find out who you are, even though you said you're anonymous. Thank you so much. See y'all later. Bye. What's up, everybody? It's Dante, a.k.a. The Forensics Guy, and you are listening to The Forensics Experience, the podcast where we discuss topics in the speech and debate community with the world's most influential coaches, students, and alumni in the activity. And today, y'all, like usual, but even more so, I am super excited to be sitting with an amazing, 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 amazing coach here. Uh, it's just a super honor to be uh, sitting with her. I have Sarah Nevzimal on the podcast today. I'm a coach, and I just want to. I'm not. I'm gonna stop because you know I'm always always putting people out there. But I want to give her the chance the the chance of the opportunity to introduce herself. So, uh, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do for the speech and debate community? Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited. I love just sharing information about the speech and debate community because I feel like it's a community that not a lot of people have background knowledge on. But so that's great that you're putting this platform out here. But I've been a part of the forensics community since I was in the sixth grade, which for me, that was 2006. So (laughs) several years ago, I feel like I'm old now in the community. But um, I started competing then. And then I started judging after I graduated high school. So while I was in college, I was kind of judging for the high school that I went to. And then after that, I started coaching for the same high school that I went to. And I'm still coaching now. And I really love it. I think it's such a crucial important part, especially in today's society where students do so much over a phone and digitally that we don't have a lot of that physical interaction with each other, with eye contact and having conversations with each other. And I think that's what makes forensics so great is that it allows you to speak about what you're passionate about. And it really puts a platform out there for students who might not have the opportunity to get their voice heard in other ways. So I really love it. And I don't plan on leaving the community anytime soon. That's awesome. Well, we're glad you're here. We hope you hope you never leave. Um, so um, as usual, you all know, uh, man, it's been a while since I've recorded an episode. So I'm super excited. This one uh, is coming out after uh, you guys heard the Yamani episode. Um, and I just wanted to sit down with Sarah and, and just ask her a couple questions because it's been like a, a very just, transitional phase within the community right now us trying to figure out what we're doing with speech and debate how we're making that happen and I am as you know from Wisconsin and uh Sarah is too and I'd love to hear um how things are working for her because you know I'm in California now Los Angeles and um I just want to see what's up with my favorite place how's Wisconsin going um how is the speech and debate community looking out there in Wisconsin 
Yeah, it's going well. Actually, just yesterday, we had our Greater Metro Conference, so with some of our local schools, and that for me personally was the first in-person tournament that we've had in almost two years at this point, wow. which is pretty crazy, but I will say it was so great for both the students and for the coaches as well. I feel like it's a very collaborative event, whether you're competing, coaching, or judging, because you really find that sense of community. So I think all of us coaches were kind of in the same ballpark of it's really great to get back out here and just talk face to face with somebody who's in the same sphere as each other. And it was great. So for the most part, our season is pretty much slated to be in person. Now, of course, this could change depending on if cases get worse or any varying factors like that. But pretty much we have everything for the rest of this season about to be in person. All of our practices are back in person, which is different. Last year, we had everything virtual and that posed its own set of challenges. It's not always easy to try blocking with acting students while you're over a Zoom meeting. That was probably a, a huge difficulty that we faced, but I think it was still great that students got that opportunity. And this year too, we still have somewhat of a hybrid format. We have students who are not comfortable performing in person. So we still do have that option if they wanna do a Zoom practice. And we do have some virtual competitions as well that they can join in. So okay. I feel like we still got the best of both opportunities here. But I will say personally, it's so great to be back in person because it felt like a year was just kind of missing there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I know the the California kids listening right now are a little jealous probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how things are going in Wisconsin, which is uh, very different. Um, a little bit about you, Sarah. Um, you said you've been doing uh, forensics or speech and debate, whichever one you want to call it, uh, since um, the sixth grade. Uh, what what was your category or what was your main thing that you performed in uh, when you were a student? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel like at this point, forensics has been a major part of my life. I feel like I don't really remember a part of my life where I didn't have forensics in it, which is kind of crazy to me. But um, I started in the sixth grade. I remember when I was in fifth grade, we had a bunch of middle school students come in and perform their pieces and tell us, hey, this is what forensics is. And I didn't know what it was. I'm like, is this science? What is forensics? <laughs> Nobody knew what it was. So I thought it was just really cool because I once heard another coach say that forensics is the island of misfit toys for students because it's kind of, it's kind of like the area for students who aren't the most popular, they're not super athletic, they're not the cheerleaders, they're not, they're not the jocks, like they're just students that want their voices heard, they're just students who want to be creative. And I felt like that was an outlet where I didn't find anywhere else in school. So I really connected with that, started in middle school, continued all the way throughout high school. Then when I graduated high school, I obviously judged, but pretty much my category, I wasn't a person who changed my category a lot. I kind of look back and I wish I would have experimented more with other categories, but for the most part, my strongest category was prose. And I dabbled a bit in informative, which was actually called four minute back when I was competing. So now I'm dating myself for anybody who's listening currently, but those were my primary categories when I competed. Awesome. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that that's uh, very interesting, the part where you just kind of talked about how, um, wow, I'm kind of blanking out now. Um, it was like about basically 
how the activities like changed in a way. Um, and you used to do uh, four minute and that was informative. So they like increased yeah. that time, they mm -hmm. those things. And also the fact that you kind of did just like one or two primary categories. Um, that was kind of a big thing for myself. Um, like my main thing people know is poetry pretty much. Uh, but I got to anything involving like prose or poi or oil or all that stuff. Those are the things that I uh, dabbled in the absolute most. Uh, so I do miss, uh, I miss that. But I also, yeah, I agree with you. I wish that I would have had the opportunity to dabble in some more categories as a competitor, at least. Um, I mean, as a coach, I started to, you know, learn more of them and just kind of be familiar with them all at this point, which is great, but it would have been cool to do them as well as a competitor um, and get to dabble into that a lot more. Um, and uh, you're at uh, Brookfield Central, right? Yes, um, so um, which, uh, which feeder school did you go to for, or middle school? Yeah, so I actually did not go to public middle school. I went to private middle school, which when I was in private school, it's not as big in private middle school. I feel like I went to Christ King and Malachosa, if anybody okay. knows where that is. But I went there and actually they did not have a team. They did have a team, but then they didn't. It's one of those, you know, it's one of those activities yeah. where a parent leaves, like nobody else picks it up because nobody nobody knows how to do it so by the time I basically was old enough to do it the previous coach had left because their student had graduated it was apparent so my mom actually ended up coaching the team and she didn't know how to coach but she was like I know you're really interested in it like let's uh -huh. just try it let's see how it goes and I'm very grateful for that and I think that instilled in a lot of me of how I wanted to coach myself too so then when I got to high school I was glad there was an established program but I will say our program in high school, we've had a bunch of revolving doors of coaches because it's just such a, it's a very niche thing for somebody to coach. It's not yeah. like a sport where you have a lot of people who know how to do it. You really have to know about the speech community or the debate community to coach because it's very confusing if you don't. So that's one thing when I've been coaching, I really try to keep a constant presence with the students because I know it's an activity that there's not always a, a constant sense of supervision with. So I'd like to kind of keep it as constant as we can. Definitely. I think um, one thing you kind of mentioned here is that like just the, it feels at least with certain schools and in certain districts and just in general, especially even in Wisconsin, it feels like a lot of, it's hard to find a coach that's going to stay for a very long time. Yes. And um, I think over the years, I've really realized and started to kind of see that that comes from that it, it comes from the schools and the districts valuing the activity of speech and debate, you know, like it's, it's very common, especially in the speech and debate community. I mean, like you coach at a middle school, for example, they're like, here's a check for $1,200 now coach yeah. the entire year and do whatever you need to do and make stuff happen. Um, that's, it's, unfortunate because that that you know obviously uh, man uh the 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 communities like the government like they think we can really live a whole year off of twelve hundred dollars right yeah um, <laughs> but um if we were able to compensate people better or more fairly or figure out a way to make things work a lot better i think we'd have a uh, more people participate in the community that really mm -hmm. want to because i'm sure there's 
a ton of people. I've talked to people who I'm like, man, you should coach, you should get into this. And it's just like, I, I'd be, I'd have to coach at like 27 schools to make a, to make a salary yeah. that works for the year. And yeah, uh, yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Um, and especially in the comparison, I mean, like if I, if I, in the exact same comparison, if I coach the football team, they'd probably give me like a good, like $15,000, you know, mm-hmm. stipend to say like, Hey, take care of this team, coach yeah. them through the season and speech and debate. Typically Wisconsin is a little different because of the way it doesn't run congruently, but usually that season is way longer than any football season. Yes, exactly. It's really going for the entire school year. So it's just like, there has to be a way to make that better. Um, so I guess, I guess um, even in that comparison for you and, your, and my question for you is, um, is how is that working for you? Are you also like a teacher at the school? Does that kind of help like, you know, drive that goal for you financially or what, what's giving you that, that extra life to make, to make something? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard because like you said, it's, it's a, it's an activity that takes a lot of time. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much time besides practice and besides a tournament that goes into forensics or debate or anything like that. So you definitely have to have something else. I actually went to school for education, for teaching, and I'm not in that profession anymore. Surprisingly, um, I actually ended up getting a job in finance right before the pandemic hit. And it was kind of surprising. I actually was not considering any jobs in that. I was kind of substitute teaching for about a year after graduation. I didn't know what I was going to do. Like any other college graduate, I felt absolutely confused and absolutely lost with everything going on. So I was just, I, I wanted a job and I just didn't know what was going on. And this job kind of fell in my lap almost. And I've been there for almost two years now, and I ended up really, really enjoying it. And I find that a lot of the strategies I learned in education, whether that's time management or communication, really works with my job. And I like having that balance where I kind of work with adults during the day, but then I still have that student interaction when I go to forensics. Because when I was substitute teaching, it was almost for me too much student interaction during the day. I was working with kids during the day and then I'm working with kids after hours and on the weekends. And I love working with kids, but you, you know how it is. Like it's, it gets hard. It gets, it gets draining. So I feel like this was a lot better for me where I could have that good balance of both to use my skills. Definitely. Um, I think that's, that, that brings up, that brings up a really great point. Um, everybody get a job in finance, you know, but, uh, (laughs) But, but, but it does bring up a great point that, you know, you might, every, everybody's going to switch. Everybody's going to figure out things that are going to just work for them. And it's really great that, you know, you found a job that is outside of forensics, keeps you kind of stable in a way, but also gives you the chance to be able to coach and still make an impact within the community. Um, and I think every, a lot of people are looking for something of that nature. So that's really awesome. Um, and I know a couple other people who have similar uh, gigs or similar setups like that. So that's really awesome to just kind of know. Um, okay, so um, another thing that I was kind of interested in was, um, I guess, your content in terms of like um I've seen like you know some stuff that you'll post on like YouTube and things of that nature and um it's really interesting just because um um it's you're like the second person I've seen like in that space 
Um, I think there's a guy named, I think his name was Charles Gross or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like his yeah. video. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing him a couple of years ago and then uh, I swear this is proof that Google is watching us because I think I watched one of your videos. I was like, oh, cool. I was oh like, my gosh. <laughs> the, next, the next thing you know, Charles Gross just started popping up on my Twitter. Just pops up, right? <laughs> like, oh man, this, they're following me. They're watching you. us. They're watching us. <laughs> <laughs> and um for those who don't know charles gross he's uh um he's a content creator and he talks about like uh for the for the best term to describe it is like luxury brands like gucci fendi all those things i don't really know all of them but stuff like that and he just kind of you know he'll make a content like about how quality this bag is or how much he likes this type of thing, this cologne, this other stuff and everything. It's just, uh, it can be pretty interesting, especially if you're into like more high-end fashion and things of that nature, just kind of pressing that on. And uh, um, the, I mentioned that just because um, even though necessarily that's not the premise of speech and debate, it, it, it brings up an interesting question to me about you know, um, the attire that students wear for speech and debate. Typically, you know, more students are going to usually wear a lot of suits and more things that look a little bit more professional. And I know brands like Gucci and uh, <laughs> Ralph Lauren, if that even counts as more of a high end, it's just stuff like those brands, like they tend to make clothes of that nature. So I guess, um, I guess my question or so, or the thing that I like you to describe is just like, what are your opinions about, you know, more, high-end clothing for those who can obviously afford it and stuff like that would you recommend maybe a student like does it really matter if a student has a thousand dollar suit versus a hundred dollar suit does that matter can it last longer or is there any benefits in the quality the make and other stuff about it that pertains to that for the activity yeah I'm glad you brought that up I love fashion and all that. That's kind of one of my little niche <laughs> hobbies that I have on the side. But I always found that interesting too with forensics. And it's changed a lot when I when I was competing, it was very, very much all just the black and white suits. And it was just very boring. And I was like, I want some color. Like let's add something fun to it. Be different, stand out because forensics is so much about being yourself and being creative. And I see more of that now. I see people with like pretty dresses and pretty colors and bright things and all that to kind of express who they are more. And I feel like when it comes to forensics, dress in something that looks professional. I'm not a huge fan of kids just showing up obviously in sweatpants, looks like you just rolled out of bed. It show, show a little bit that you wanna be there, that you wanna be professional, but I'm very much for dress in what makes you comfortable and what makes you feel confident. And I feel like for each individual, that's going to be a different thing. So obviously when I was in high school, I love the designer brands, but I did not have designer brands in high school. <laughs> I was very much shopping at Forever 21 in high school. So <laughs> I was not going out and spending like a ton of money on stuff, but I think you can make it work with whatever budget you have. And I think it's just more about reflecting your personal style and what makes you feel, again, like I said, confident because you definitely have students that go out there. And I feel like okay, is this an outfit that your parents put you in? Because it feels like you're feeling stiff. You don't look like you're, you don't look like you're a high schooler. Like, I want to know that you're a high school student, that you're showing yourself, that you're showing who you are. And that's why I really like the kids that wear bright colors or things that coordinate with their piece, especially the kids who do like demonstration speeches when they have the outfits that kind of coordinate with the speech, like the kids who talk about dance or anything like that. I feel like that's the fun part of forensics to dress with 
however you want to express yourself because forensics is very much so a professional environment, but it's also about expressing how you feel personally. And that's one of the few school activities I feel like where you can really have that creative control and expressing yourself. Very true. Uh, that's a that's a very great point. And um, I know that you know, um, considering you know my audience is like very diverse in a lot of ways, especially economically. You know, some people might be listening to this like that has nothing. I, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, but like I think the one thing that uh, she said was you know express yourself, and I think that you know you have to figure out things that are going to be within your budget that can still give you an opportunity to look nice, even if it's at a low cost. I can guarantee you um, that at least, in, and I know Sarah can agree that you can totally walk into a TJ Maxx and, mm-hmm. you know, look through and find yeah. something that's going to look nice, look uh, somewhat professional and still, you know, be able to have that image that you really want. And you probably yeah. got that whole fit for less than a hundred dollars. Great. Yes. You know, um, so definitely make that happen. Make you yourself you know put yourself into something that's going to make you feel comfortable something that's going to make you feel excited and ready to compete and uh, you know I remember uh, I think it was a psychology thing if I'm not mistaken but somebody said something about you know um, certain things to do specifically like if you are doing a phone interview you should still dress nice in your phone interview even though they can't see you because you personally feel more professional and done up and it gives you a chance to you know you just feel brighter and like you're gonna really win that day and win that call or whatever it is so just uh be cognizant of that and get what is gonna make itself best for you um so definitely i'm uh, glad you guys got to speak about that a little bit so um awesome um so a couple more questions uh before we finish out just uh usually kind of more of around my get to know you type of questions uh finishing is that um the first question is if out of all the categories that um you didn't get to do uh when you were a competitor what's the one that you really really regret not doing that you'd love to get a chance to go back and compete in oh that's a tough one I always think about this when I see my students because I see sometimes they give a speech and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done that. But um, I think it'd be one of the more creative categories where you get to have a poster board with it. So either like moments in history, depending on what time period was given or demonstration, something where you could add a visual aid because I always like doing like arts and crafts stuff like that. I feel like that would be so much fun to include. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's so different than other categories. I've always had just the spoken word categories there's no visual aid there's no props you didn't really move around the room I'd like to have something more like that where you could kind of include that creativity that's always one that I wish I would have done nice that's really cool and uh, for those listening because I'm sure you don't probably know um she mentioned two categories that don't typically exist a lot outside of Wisconsin Um, oh really yeah I didn't know uh, that (laughs) yeah so um moments in history uh there's a couple there's a lot of categories that are either specifically to wisconsin or just a couple of states in the midwest um moments of history demonstration group group discussion even though they got rid of that a long time ago um group interp stuff like that um but but for those who don't know uh moments of history it is basically like informative um but it's but you get to pick like a time period or no the committee picks a time period and then you present an informative basically 
about that time period and what interests you in that time period. Um, and then demonstration is basically like a kind of a how-to. Um, so you might, you could do anything from how to be the best DJ to how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, and they, they're all acceptable. And, um, and for that one, people usually do bring like actual props and visual aids to actually like demonstrate the exact way to do it within their speech. So it's a really fun category as well to be able to kind of let off some creativity there and um, do exactly what she said, be creative and have fun. Uh, so yeah, those are definitely two amazing categories. Um, I always I, I think about that question too a lot. Um, I, I feel like you could probably go back to all my episodes and they probably the answer probably changes every time. But yeah. I, but I, but I think I'd lean towards OO right now. Okay. OO is definitely the one category. I'm like, man, like I think I could have just crushed it when I was younger. <laughs> uh, That's a good one. That's yeah. a really good category to listen to. Honestly, it's it's fun because I like this. There's, there's so much creativity in that one in a way. Like you just. Like you, you find it such a cool way to like advocate about something and just like be persuasive in nature. It's just, it's, it's like the perfect, it's like you're just writing your own little mini TED talk and I love it. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. And uh, uh, two, two last questions is um, the, no, I'll save this question for like last, last. Okay. Um, so the next question then is um, out of, out of coaching, judging, and performing uh which which experience have you felt like you personally felt the most value from which one is the one that you're like okay if I could just repeat this groundhog groundhog day it every day and do this this is the one I choose that's a hard one because they're all special in in different senses for a while after I graduated high school I just missed competing so much I was judging a lot then and as much as I love that I love still being a part of the community I still miss going out there and competing myself. Part of that just comes with graduating and you, you just miss doing what you used to do. But I would say probably the most rewarding for me has been coaching, just because I see how much that it actually affects students. In the day-to-day, -day, you don't really realize that. Sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, all I'm doing is forensics. You know, I'm spending my weekends at forensics, I'm doing all of this. Sometimes it feels like that's all you're doing. But then I hear from students who have graduated who send me messages saying how much of an impact I've had or because of you, like I'm no longer afraid to speak in an interview. I'm no longer afraid to socially speak with friends, things like that, that make everything so worthwhile. So I feel like as a coach, that has been the most rewarding experience. It's a very hard job and it's, it's time consuming. It takes a lot of your mental health. It takes a lot of your days and your hours and everything. But at the end of the day, that is very worth it to me that students have somebody consistent and that they really find value in it. That's what makes it worth it to me. Definitely. Awesome. Um, and then uh, my last question is, uh, well, technically my last question is um, if you could right now see if pretend I'm your I'm your coach and uh, you have to give me some last words as a, you know, maybe a thank you or a, a, a forget you. I don't know. It could be anything. I don't know if you hated your coach or not. I don't know. But what, last, what, what, what are these moments and these words that you would say to this coach if they were here right in front of your face? Yeah, I would probably just say thank you for giving not only me, but every student out there who felt like they didn't necessarily have a place in high school or middle school to give them a place, to give them an area to express themselves 
to find friends if they were socially awkward like I was or if they were just not an athlete or not a cheerleader or anything like that just finding a place for somebody for me when I look back on my competition moments I look back on yes like the great awards that was all so much fun but for the most part I look back on the memories that everybody shared in that how I felt like a community and even still after I was done competing I still feel like it's such a great community and I will never forget that. And that's my biggest thank you is just for the whole organization for providing something for students that are kind of outside of the norm for students who maybe struggled in school or who didn't feel like they had a place to fit in. Forensics was something for those kids. And for me, especially that was really, really true. And it gave me confidence to be who I am. And I definitely would not be the person I am today without forensics. So I would thank them all so much for that. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, and lastly, uh, for those who are listening right now and they're just like, oh my gosh, I love Sarah so much. She's <laughs> the best person ever. And they want to, you know, see more of what you do or know more about you or whatever. How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's probably my biggest contact. Send me messages on there. It's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-X-N-E-V-S. I don't put my full last name because it's very confusing So, <laughs> to everybody out there. And I definitely understand that. So you can find me at Sarah X Nevs on Instagram. Send me a message out there. Reach out. I post a lot of stuff about forensics on there. My team just recently started a new Instagram page for our forensics team. So I'll be boosting that up as well. <laughs> so if you want to get in contact with me, definitely reach out there. Awesome. So there you go. Uh, y'all, y'all know how to find her reach out to her, get any type of questions you got. Um, and you already know for me, if you got more questions or you want to continue the contact and you want to continue that conversation within this community, you know how to reach out to me. I'm at the forensics guy on every single platform. Um, and yeah, like usual, I never, ever know how to end these episodes. So I'm just going to say peace out. <laughs>